Hey, everybody. It's Jackie Johnson, host of Natch Butte. We talk skincare, we talk makeup, we talk all things beauty. And my guest this week is Ariana Maddox. Hi. What do we talk about, Ariana? Oh, my gosh. We answer all of your questions. We do. We talk about how our dogs were in a Pharrell video together. We talk about... Um, exfoliation. Oh, we talk about exfoliation. We talk about uh, tanning, self-tanning. We talk about laser hair removal. We, we go there. We dive, do a deep dive in my makeup bag. We And Tom's. And Tom's. <laughs> and Tom's Sandoval's. So maybe check out Natribute this week and see what we're talking about. See you there. Guys, I want to tell you about a great sponsor I have, Bompus. They're premium high-performance athletic socks, and they're so comfortable you're never going to want to take them off. And because socks are the number one requested item in homeless shelters, for every pair of socks purchased, Bompus donates one pair of those to those in need. Almost one million pairs donated to date. 15% off the first purchase of four or more socks. Plus free shipping. So go to getbompus.com slash feral and buy some comfortable socks. with Matt Dwyer. I'm Matt Dwyer. <clears throat> Excuse me there. Just ate a corn chip, had a little bit of it in my throat. If you uh, like that music playing there, that's a band called Les Blanks. Feel free to check them out on thelesblanks.com. Um, if you haven't listened to my show before, uh, this is what the title there implies. It's a conversation with me. Check it out. Enjoy it. Really cool. Uh, just me talking to somebody super duper interesting. Or in today's case, I'm talking to two people. Um, and if you haven't listened to my show before, you're going to want to go back to last week's episode. Uh, I believe number 65, episode 65, I believe that is. Uh, and listen to me talk with Lucy and Graves because, Greaves, because this is part two, which I didn't know there was going to be a part two when I did this uh the first interview, but Lucien Graves performed Pink Mass over the Westboro Baptist Church founding member's mother's grave, turning her gay in the afterlife. It was very controversial. It was in uh, a lot of write-ups in Huffington Post and Vice. And then Shane Bugby, who has been a guest on my show a couple times, wrote an article or an interview with Lucien Graves revealing that it's really a guy named Doug Mesner. And uh, and so uh, that sort of changed, altered the story and the happenings, and it's a pretty intense... So I talked to the three of them about the article, the comments that people were talking about, or wrote under the Vice article. It's a really super great follow-up to last week's, week's episode, so I'm not going to do much else talking about it. Uh, I think I explained it well, I hope, don't you? Write me. Let me know if I explain that well. Here's uh, Doug Mesner and Shane Bundy. So, pretty much, Shane, you broke the Lucien Greaves story, which is really... Doug Mesner, now, had you guys been collaborating on this sort of idea for a while? Were you, were you were you a part of it from the beginning, Shane? 
Uh, no, I, I, I'm not really a part of it. I'm just a friend of Doug. We've been lifelong, not lifelong, but it feels like a lifelong. We've been friends for a long time. So like in, in friend, friendly conversation, I hear about Doug's ideas and we laugh and, and we talk about what he, you know, what he had for dinner even. So it's, it, it's like just a fr- in friendly conversations. I've spoke to Doug about his ideas for this. But but no, I have nothing to, nothing to do with the. You mean the Satanic Temple, right? I have nothing to do with that. No, I meant the uh, the pink mask. But uh, I help. I, I I mean, like I said, as, as friends, I've spoke with Doug, and maybe you know, maybe he said something, and I it could be considered as I, I've consulted, but not you know, just as friends, friendly conversation as we have, Matt. You know, sure. But you tell me about those hemorrhoid problems you were having. I was talking. <laughs> Why don't you just take a razor to that fucking purple thing? And, you know, we're. I wouldn't say I'm a doctor, but I helped you get through that, the the hemorrhoids and the anal fissures you were having. Yeah, I appreciate that. And, Doug, now, did you create the Satanic Temple just for this specific, the the pink mask thing, or was it something that had been going on for a while? Well, actually, I didn't even create the idea at all. It was uh, was an idea that came off the with a, a friend and, and one of his colleagues, who's a friend of mine now, but I didn't know him at the time, and they had developed this idea of, uh, of asserting the rights of, uh, of Satanists as a way to throw um, a new spin on the church-state debate. So originally it was just kind of this film idea, and I was pulled into the consultants because I don't have a long background on, uh, on which hunt perceptions of Satanism and that kind of thing. And the original thing we first did was uh, a rally in Florida um, to support Senate Bill 98 that was being put forward by uh, Governor Rick Scott over there, which uh, allowed for uh, uh, inspirational messages and prayer at school assemblies. So rather than uh, revolting against that on secular grounds, we decided we would throw a Satanic rally in support of it. Yeah, it's interesting. I got into an online argument with a guy I didn't know about that very uh, point in one of, in the who read the article, and he was he was very upset. Uh, it kind of he play, I'm like it's he was very upset that this, he was like, well, he claims that Satan doesn't exist, but he's really excited that kids are going to pray to Satan, <laughs> and, and it's amazing just how much people miss the humor of of this situation. Would you agree with that? Yeah, but it's, it's for both the people who get the humor and the people who miss the humor, and it forces them to reevaluate and hopefully see the humor. I mean, once it becomes a strictly humorous thing, it's transmogrified into something else completely, and I'm fine with that. I think right now you have these people who are uh, self-identified statements, a lot of them, and they're worried that we're putting this forward because I think they're feeling like we're going to fish on their parade. We're going to change this into something else, and I think that we are. You know, people start looking at this differently and ultimately uh, have to reevaluate their preconceived notions. Then I think we're successful, actually. I'm not interested in cultivating an image for uh, disenfranchised aged Dungeons & Dragons kids who want to scare their grandmothers and walk around wearing babes. 
<laughs> yeah, which is exactly what that, that church of Satan has become. If you see now the vice com, you see those comments underneath there, and it just it, – it looks like – it reads like a cult to me. I, I was like, man, these people are insane. And when I had an – you know, for me, I guess I, I want to say like I'm, I don't – I've never considered myself a Satanist. Okay, I've, I've considered myself me. You know, I don't, I don't really subscribe to any of that, anything. Like, I, I, I appreciate LeVay's philosophy, and he made me a priest in the Church of Satan, and I love that as a, as a metalhead. That was a great, like, a, a, a trophy. But I've never, I've never considered myself uh, a Satanist among Satanists. Uh, if you were a Christian and bothering me, I would tell you I'm a Satanist. But <laughs> I, I really don't. I, I only look at it as an for me, Satanism sure. is a political and uh, artistic movement, and uh, I see myself as an atheist in the sense that I'm a skeptic, and I'm an agnostic in the sense that I appreciate the question mark of life. Um, I place my faith in science, mind, uh, the science-minded, to answer you know the greatest questions in life, like Bigfoot, shit like that, you know? <laughs> <laughs> come on! Come on! It's supposed to be... <laughs> It's uh so the uh the criticism I had was that uh you know in the in the vice comments they didn't address any of the criticisms. My criticisms was that they, they don't mobilize, they have no uh no agenda, no goals, no uh no political um, leverage at all. They don't uh they don't rally for exceptions and privileges based on religion. They they don't really enter the debate at all. Right. And uh, the replies were kind of perplexing to me because they talk about, well, we're very active. And uh, somebody on there was commenting, saying that the active members are very active. They're professionals from all walks of life and that kind of thing. But it's, it's almost as though these people don't even understand what it means to have an active organization acting as an organization. Or they just have this cognitive dissonance where they explain it all away and give the organization an being and doing nothing. And that's a, and those talking points have existed for twenty uh, the twenty years I've paid attention to it. That's the, that they say the same fucking things anytime someone speaks out against the Church of Satan or even uh, breaks off from them and agrees with them. As as Doug uh, as the church, the Temple of Satan uh, does. They you, you you know right, Doug. I mean, you guys are cool with Levay. Sure. So in that way, we're completely separate. But uh, it's no surprise that uh, they would object to anybody else even existing using this kind of terminology, because their entire goal is to try to hold monopoly over that. Uh, you know, you can't trade mark uh, Satanism. You know, it's just it's uh, it's up for grabs, and it's up for different varieties of interpretations or whatever else. And we're doing something completely different from. Something they even ever hope to do, but um, they just have a market to try to to, uh, to uh, preserve. And so, and no matter what, uh, no matter what's done in that name, if it's some other group, some other organization, they're going to be against it. Now, does the does the Church of Satan even exist? Because there seems to be people saying it does and it doesn't, and it's been kind of defunct since LeVay. I mean, didn't Anton LeVay's son try to rally something together? No. It was Anton LeVay's grandson, uh, Stan, but, but the, the, the COS exists as much as it's, uh, it's more of like um, 
the uh, Anne Rand, uh, the group that protects her writings and her work, you know, like, um, what is that called when, like, uh, Nina Simone's daughter's watching after her estate? I uh, don't fucking know. But that's well, basically right. they, they preserve the estate. No, yeah, that's they, basically what they're doing is preserving the estate of Levee. They that's that's all they are as a placeholder for that. But but uh, and it's the website where if one of them does produce something, some kind of product, they they advertise it, they put it on the news site or whatever. But these aren't organized actions, you know. These aren't these, and, and they don't even seem to realize there's a distinction there, you know. Somebody produces a work of art or whatever else, and they can put it on the website, and that might be a pretty time because it's in a ready made market. But that's that's all it is. It's you know, it's a website. A lot of websites do that. So the website and the, and the membership card. A two hundred dollar membership card, isn't it? To be, to be, to be. See, to be a Christian, which all you have to ironic, do. Which is ironic too, and some uh, criticisms because they were talking about asking money from your friends, and I guess they're trying to insult the notion of uh, the the highway campaign being crowdsourced. But you know, that's how we're going to do our. Our poise, you know, you're going to know what your money is going into. You know, the money pool is going to be going towards directing goals. Some of them you might want to be involved in, some of them you might not want to be involved in, but you're going to know, you're going to know where it's going. It's not just like support some, somebody's lifestyle who's otherwise not working. Yeah, it's interesting that, it's real interesting to me some of the things they, they took issues with in, in, in the, in the comment section. They also accused, uh, saying that, I, I'm guessing it was targeted at you, Shane, that you didn't do your research. And I was, I was just like, you mean your research on the guy you've known for 20 years? <laughs> it was like, haven't you kind of lived that well, research? Well, during, like I said, they were arguing the wrong point. You know, I was talking about mobilizing as a, as a politically relevant force, and they did nothing to address that. You know, one of the, one of the commenters even said something like, well, there is now a, a uniform goal. There's no, you know, that's all just, that's all excuses, that's all justification for not doing anything, but it's really acknowledging that you're not doing those things. You're not acting as a uniform organization, which is exactly what we are doing, what we want to do, and what we'll continue to do. So there's no point in saying we've gotten it wrong and then carrying on and saying, in fact, giving excuses for why we're right. Right. Now, Shane, as a guy who knew... Anton LaVey, do you think he would be annoyed by these the, the, these actions of the, uh, people who are supposedly of the Church of Satan? Hmm. Um, <laughs> no, as long as, as, as his bills were covered, I, I, it, it came down to that. And I mean, that's just the deal. You know, it was, it, it, it's much like Doug was saying, this is a market that they're trying to... Uh, uh, keep a strong hold on, and that's what it was to LeVay. It was, you, you know, there's not much more to his philosophy than and what was, what, what's in might is right, actually. I mean, that's, you know, my association with LeVay is basically threatening him in a, a letter telling him, listen, dude, I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to republish might is right, and um, I'm going to let people know that you've basically plagiarized this for the, church, you know, the satanic Bible. And, you know, um, I... I don't know. There's there's not much more to what he he's done than than, than the Satanic Bible. It's a, a great self help book, you know. Um, so at, to that end, uh, he was just happy that people were sending memberships, and it was like you know uh, paying respect to someone who did a great work, a great piece of work. 
So, you know, I mean, as long as they were paying their dues and uh, buying T-shirts, he'd be happy. And and his loyalty was to that, of course, the same as uh, Peter Gilmore's loyalty to defend this is to to those member membership fees coming in, those T-shirts being sold. But but that's what the thrill is of, of working with Doug and the, the Satanic Temple or, you know, being friends with Doug and hearing about it is, is that they are active. And for someone like me who was run out of a fucking town based on my public uh uh, appreciation for LeVay. Um, I really don't really, I really, I really don't have a lot of, uh, happy thoughts when it comes to the COS. Cause they left, they left people like me out there to hang out, to, to hang out and dry, you know, to be, to be fucking run out of a town without any protection. And it's nice to hear that Doug uh, and this group aspire to help out some folks that might be misunderstood, um, like that. So, so, you know, Oh yeah, there, there was another comical comment too. When I, uh, when I complained that there was no discernible noise regarding, uh, even high profile cases like the West Memphis three. And somebody commented, well, Gilmore wrote about that in the, in the satanic scriptures. And well, what good does that do? That still, that still shows a complete incompetence, a complete incomprehension about what it means to, to, uh, to engage in an organized effort or advocacy in any, on any level whatsoever. I mean, the level of organizational incompetence is staggering to me. And there's all this kind of rhetoric about uh, uh, judging people for their actions in the real world, but not judging an organization, I guess. You know, you don't, you don't, uh, you don't turn that around and look at the, the collective efforts and judge what good the organization is in the in the real world and what effect it has in the culture. And I, I feel like it's there's been a lot of kind of indoctrination with that rhetoric for these people to buy into that and, and accept that. And people who paid two hundred dollars just so they can carry that label, which nobody has a monopoly on. And kind of the humorous irony in all this is is um after I met with Shane a long time ago and um, we also looked into other bizarre fringe cults that were supposed to be um, that satanic backmounters were blaming for, you know, crimes that never existed and that kind of thing. And we did all this kind of research. Um, I kind of walked away from that but took on the false memory controversy and the uh, conspiracy theory subculture that talks about satanic ritual abuse and that kind of thing. And when I started attacking those people, their immediate knee-jerk response is that I, I am a Satanist and I'm, I'm trying to defend uh, some kind of secret cabal of Satanists and stuff like that. So over, you know, the stretch of like five years, I'm getting these these clients that I'm a Satanist and I get to uh, say, no, you know, I'm an atheist and, and this is just kind of a way to, uh, a way to convert the argument into familiar territory for them. Now I do this. Uh, project and embrace the label, you know, and then you get these people coming out of the woodwork saying he's not. <laughs> he doesn't know we're right to hold this uh, hold this label. And it's just kind of funny that, that uh, there's an argument. Uh, there's going to be this kind of argument as to whether it's an appropriate label for me or not, and people are going to have uh, different points of view on that. And it changes completely once I embrace the label. Yeah, so, okay. It seems to, to, to go back to that Levay. You asked about Levay and what he would think of things, or what you, is, is um, you know, 
as far as that group goes, they, they do a lot of telling people what's right and wrong. And, and I think I know that within the LeVay's philosophy, that was just that's just not it doesn't jive with the whole satanic philosophy, um, how they're trying to direct people. It was a dire- directionless movement almost. I mean, you know, it's does that make sense, Matt? Yeah, it does. It also, I mean, it's hard not to. They, they almost sound, and I'm sure they're going to love this, as hypocritical as a lot of Christians, because it sounds like they're ready to shoot their mouth off and judge others, but they don't do fucking anything. Does that make sense? Yeah, and in the old days of uh, the COS, I could imagine that if this were to happen in the old days, they would Levey would just shrug his shoulders and pretty much ignore it, like eh. They don't, you know, they don't have what I have. I'm LeVay. He wouldn't, he didn't have all this insecurity. And none of the old members did either. It's just sort of, they would just sort of shrug their shoulders and laugh or ignore it. They wouldn't make such a big deal out of it and tell people what's right and wrong. Well, well because as an individual, he did have a product. He had something he could stand by. But now you have a bunch of people who are, who are taking along off that, taking on his name. And they, they have no more right to do that than, than anybody else, lesser right, most of them, than, than you, because you were invited in, you, Shane, because you were invited in by him. So, you know, they're, they're preserving something that isn't theirs to begin with. So they, they want to have a stranglehold on, on just the, the marketing aspect. They've, uh, they've also, some of the, those comments on the, under the article were uh, claimed that you weren't made a high priest well the term high priest versus priest and reverend that's uh, you know i don't i you know i should have checked over that typo and see if i typed it or vice edited it and put high priest in there um that's true i was not made a high priest what they said there was true i was made a priest slash reverend that's what they that's the title it's so, but, but what's the fucking difference? Uh, I mean, if you look at it, they have a, a uh, they have this very elaborate hierarchy of different names, but those don't mean anything unless there are some concurrent duties or obligations or something that goes along with that. They're meaningless titles. They're just these labels. They, they say, all right, well, you've reached the next level. And well, what does that mean? It's, it's like a golf facade. It's like well, a that's what class. I asked. That's what I asked Levey when he gave me the tie tack. I was like, "So does this mean I get like discounts at, you know, steak shops and stuff like that?" And he said, "You'll see. It'll behoove you." <laughs> and once in a while, I got picked up from the airport from a, a Satanist. They'd give me a ride, so I got some rides out of it. That's and good. it was also meant to be like when you're. A priest or a reverend in the Church of Satan, you are able now to represent the Church of Satan publicly in the media because you understand the philosophy. And that's that was the duty of the reverends and priests is uh, basically to be able to represent it. And, and when LeVay passed away, the duties of a reverend or a ch- uh, priest in the Church of Satan became to get members. It was a, to to recruit, but but without being public about recruiting like they're there we don't recruit people they come to us they say that publicly but basically that's what reverends do and that's how you move up to be a magistrate you get so many people to join and this is the behind the scenes <laughs> stuff you know that that they don't they don't talk about publicly but that's the deal that's that's the to answer that if there was a question <laughs> it sounds so it sounds like i mean it sounds like they've become kind of a bit of a scam and it sounds like the Temple of Satan is trying to be more of an activist-oriented. The, sa- 
The Satanic Temple. Oh, what did I say? The Temple of Satan. Oh, that's the one I'm starting, just because I want to yeah. ride this whole wave and get, <laughs> and get some Satan pussy. Right, and, and I'll write a whole thing about how you're not real and and don't deserve the the title. Yeah, we can we can play this whole thing out. Because it is, I mean, it is, it's interesting, and I never thought about it before, but it's like when the West Memphis 3 was happening, it, no one in the satanic community stood up and said, like, we don't tie up boys and eat their dicks. Well, I did. I mean, that's a whole part of our book that, you know, the book that I put out there, you know, so there are individuals, you're right, as organizations they yeah. didn't, but there's plenty of individuals that did. It seems like, I mean... Well, right, but that's the thing. When they were saying, "Well, uh, Peter Gilmore wrote a piece about it," uh, look at all of all of what I've written. I don't know if anybody's had the opportunity to look at it, but I mentioned it on the Vice piece that I have this long body of work on process.org and things like that. And I've been, um, you know, I've been uh, very much involved in trying to uh, beat down the modern trance and everything else. And it's, doesn't get you that far when you're just writing essays and stuff like that. Uh, then, you know, I've gotten a ton of hate mails, threats, and everything else. But um, and I've tried, to, I've tried to ruin careers, and I'm still trying to. You know, people are doing serious <laughs> harm within uh, therapy and psychiatry and that kind of thing, indoctrinating people into these bizarre conspiracy notions and everything else. And this is this is an extension of my effort to try to do that, to embrace this title and then go after these people aggressively in an organized fashion. Yeah, you know, actually, that is something I wanted to mention because the there is somebody who left a long... I'm trying to find the... I have it in my notes. the A long comment about saying how uh, you're inc- incorrect. Oh, uh, I have to take... Issue with this, his rejection of reports of satanic ritual abuse that became rampant in the late 1970s and early 80s. Um, now they have been, there's, so this dame uh, is claiming that you're wrong, that there were all these satanic abuses. Um, and she pointed out a book by Franklin, or, or the Franklin Scandal. Does that ring a bell with the. Uh, in, uh, named in a book by Nick Bryant. Do, do any of those names ring a bell? Yeah, yeah. I, I would, I would direct a more on like that to my article. Ted Gunderson. He was a former FBI man who, uh, who was absolutely insane. Um, he worked on the Franklin scandal. And what the Franklin scandal was is there was, uh, there was uh, extortion and racketeering going on at this credit union in Omaha, Nebraska. And of course, Gunderson gets in there, and he, this guy. You know, he was one of those guys who looked up in the sky, saw jetliners, and thought they were dropping poisons on everyone because they were leaving contrails in the sky. You know, he claimed to know the truth about uh, about JFK, Pearl Harbor, every conspiracy theory possible. He, he claimed that they have some kind of uh, direct knowledge of it. And um, he was, he was I, I refer to him as a public paranoid. You know, he obviously had severe mental problems. He would get... Uh, Envelopes in the mail, and he certainly were full of poison. And you know, I have his FBI file since he died. You know, they, they kept a record of him, and he would report these things all the time. There's no validity to them. He was just a, a paranoid fool, and he he ruined several on investigation as a private investigator. And one of those investigations was the Franklin scandal. So he gets in, 
and there's these kinds of extortion racketeering, but he turns it into there must be a satanic cult uh, doing pedophilia in the background. And so this is picked up by the, the French culture as well as some uh, moron uh, in politics who wrote a book about it. Now there's just this whole kind of, like, like everything Gunderson worked on, now there's this kind of conspiracy theory subculture that latched onto it, and they'll say, this FBI man really uh, announced said that it was true, therefore it must be. That despite uh, all the all the radical, bizarre things he would say. So this woman, she's typical. I get those kinds of responses all the time. She's an idiot, you know. She, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> yeah, just the way uh, Gunderson is responsible for the McMartin case. I don't know if uh, you know about that. That was one of the early daycare abuse cases where they claimed that they the satanical abusing these kids and all that crap. And they claim they found tunnels underneath McMartin. That was Gunderson. He went there and he dug tunnels under the uh, under the uh, preschool, and um, they claimed that uh, the tunnels were already there. They had just been filled in, and they could tell because the dirt was looser or whatever else, you know. Dude. And Gunderson was also the one who ruined the uh, Jeffrey McDonald case. Whether McDonald was guilty or not, I'm not sure if you're familiar with that one, but um, he was at a at Fort Bragg, he claimed that his wife and children were murdered, and then he was the one who ended up going to prison. He said it was a child man from like 50 calls that came in. And, of course, Gunderson came in and turned in to a satanic cult. And so, anyways, yeah, there's, there's a there's a rich and detailed history of a conspiracy folklore, but there's still no credible evidence for it. You'll have these idiots popping out all the time saying, well, this, this story is backed by a former FBI man and, and other credible people, but they won't look at the actual evidence and see how laughable it is. It's amazing, too, because it's like, it's like because it's the FBI, people are like, well, it's, it's going to be accurate. They would never do anything corrupt, uh, Fred Hampton. It's like, it's like they're, the FBI has decades and decades of corrupt behavior on, on top of, like, just on top of, this weird conspiracy people just buying into bullshit. It's like... Well, Gunderson started out under Hoover, and um, what's terrifying is that um, he he made it high up in the ranks, and he seemed to fit in with the FBI during the the Cold War. And um, it seemed like he was no less a conspiracy theorist than that. It just went unnoticed because they were searching for the communists everywhere. And Gunderson was really pushing for stronger police powers. He, I have these correspondence with him. And in fact, I should just put the entire uh, Gunderson FBI file online for people to read it, because it's fascinating. When you, when you go through somebody's FBI file, that may get you go. There's a lot of redundancy and paperwork and, and you know standard uh, HR procedural stuff. But some of the memorandum and everything else are, are just... Are just amazing. Where he's he's actually pushing. Um, I think Webster was the director at the time, and he was pushing for increased power to be able to do search and seizure and covert operations before they had credible evidence of criminal behavior. Because his claim was that we couldn't wait till um, till we had evidence of wrongdoing, because we were now reaching this this age of the terrorists. This is back in like the 60s or 70s, you know, 
this kind of rhetoric has been carrying on all this time. And um, so Gunderson was very much for the, the jackbooted squad. And then uh, when he wasn't granted these excessive powers, he, he retired some couple weeks later. Yeah, it's obvious from the paperwork that him and Webster weren't getting along. And then he went into private practice and quite apparent just how insane and paranoid he was. But it seemed like part of his paranoia was based on his own, on his fear that um, his own actions from before would be acted upon. You know, while he was pushing for these increased powers of surveillance and everything else, while he was within the FBI, when he was out, he constantly feared that those powers of surveillance were being abused against him. You know, uh, it's interesting because you were saying that the, this guy was pushing, uh, Dungerson was pushing for these uh, powers back in the 60s, which are, is a, a lot of what's going on post 9 11. And I'm, is, is there any, has anyone ever actually written a, uh, extensive book about that? Because that seems like a very, uh, a very strong thing in the FBI is that they're always struggling to get more power and to kind of like these nut jobs within the FBI fighting to get more power and it's to fuck with people. And it's like, is there any extensive studies on that? Well, somebody wrote a pretty good book not too long ago. And I really regret not being able to to remember what what it is right now, what the title is right now. But it's really put out a history of the FBI, which I used when I was putting together my, my story of Gunderson. But I actually thought of pitching a uh, a book where the focus would be Gunderson, but it would in in the process tell the story of the FBI uh, up to the point because he he had a very long career with them uh, from Hoover to. Webster, I think. I don't think it was anyone any further than that, but um, but those were some key moments within FBI history and the increase of surveillance. And a lot of that has to do with who the director is at that time. If it was, if it was somebody else, um, Gunderson may have gotten his increased powers. So yeah, it's always, it's always something to look out for. And you know, you can't take somebody on authority. And just say that, well, this guy was in the FBI, he knows what he's talking about, obviously, which is the kind of, uh, which is what you get from the conspiracy theory crowd. There's always some, uh, some lone idiot, some psychiatrist, um, who believes in dissociative identity disorder or a public paranoid former FBI guy like Ted Anderson. And if you're going to be real selective with the information you take in, then you're, and, you know, you can find somebody who seems credible to, to tell your conspiracy narrative. But, um, yeah, the Franklin scandal is, is idiotic. And I really have lost my tolerance for the people who, who hold on to those things. Yeah, it, it, this conspiracy theory world, it's amazing because it's like they'll claim they have facts, but they'll ignore blatant, obvious facts. It's like they'll just hold on for dear life to like one or two things and it's like it's it's uh, it's like yeah it's like you can't even fucking deal with those people anymore it's not worth it well you, you get to the point where if you explain it away it just becomes a bigger that's why uh, conspiracy theory often can be a degenerative spiral because they come up with certain facts that they think prove their case those that be disproven or you know contrary evidence comes out and but they'll hold on to the belief by 
claiming that to be part of a greater conspiracy. The evidence uh, was manufactured or the police were in on it. it. It always gets bigger and bigger, and that's part of the whole satanic ritual abuse thing. Soon, you know, you had this idea that uh, the satanic cults were had uh, weaseled their way into the court systems and, and the, the governments and were all over the place, all over the world. And now they're, you know, to the true believers, they're just this ubiquitous force and they're, they're everywhere. They have to be at least one in three people. And they're all remaining entirely silent about acts of mass murder and destruction and everything else that are happening supposedly right under our noses. Yeah, it's, uh, it's you have to question the psychology of what goes on with those people who are just willing to believe in such fantastic is it just is it like do you just is it because it's a lot more exciting to believe that that's how the world works <laughs> instead of actual fact well, yeah Couldn't yeah, it just be the- it's part of it's part of the philosophy of religion i think and that's what i was saying in my interview how i feel religion needs to be a, a narrative construct that defines our life and our works things in common we, we see that cognitively as people. It's just a, just, just a fact of existence. I'm certain the idea that you don't need supernaturalism to go along with it. But um, to the conspiracy theorists, that is, it is that to them. And it's really enticing because um, it gives them a sense of purpose. It gives them motivation. It puts all problems of the world squarely in one category. It puts us against them. And it makes everything nice, tidy, coherent, and fixable. You know, if we could take down the enemy, we'd be okay. Things don't randomly happen. You know, uh, terrible things don't randomly happen to, happen to people. People don't die without uh, some kind of nefarious plot in the background. Um, so what's funny is it often cites the fact that some of their beliefs are so horrific as evidence of the veracity of the stories they claim because who would want to believe this otherwise? They'll, they'll say this. I, the people I you know with who uh, claim satanic ritual abuse claim that this claim that they'll say that the story is too horrific to not be true. But um, really, it, it, it gives them purpose and it gives them meaning. It, it, uh, it makes them right. I think the conspiracy itself is just a reflection of our uh, uh, educational system. I think it's just people have the limited uh, understanding of what's going on. It's almost like, uh, and it's almost like you could see it uh, disappearing where you have all this information on the internet, you know, where you're able to put your story together a little better than just assuming that uh, one piece of fact is uh, is all you need to hang your story on. Yeah, that's it. Right. Yeah, you would think the Internet could help, but you see these people kind of segment off and get very tribal, and they they think of anything else, any disconfirming information that contradicts their story as being yeah. part of the Well, that's true, but those, but their children are where I, I place my hope, I guess, or where I look at things. It, it is, it, you know, evolution's slow, so those people are going to exist, and, and they're they're going to die off, too. <laughs> Yeah. Right, right. You're right. I, I do think that the the internet culture is still still forming. You know that this is still playing out. Yeah, it seems like uh, true critical thought seems to be at at least currently a, a something that's fading a little bit. <laughs> it's it's like people really it, and there's so many things. I see so many people knee jerk react to articles posted on the 
uh, on like Facebook and stuff, and sometimes it's like they're not looking at the source, they're not looking at who wrote it, they're just being like, well, it must be true. <laughs> and it's like it's really it's fading. I think I think it's just blossoming. Uh, a critical thought. Yeah. Yeah, I, I I don't think we've really ever experienced that, and, and uh, like a lot like we do with the inter, you know, with the inter, or certain, you know, I've experienced it. I, I think I'm naturally a, a critical thinker, but I think it's just blossoming. Yeah, well, what's what's the phrase? Like a real true bad idea only goes away one death at a time. Yeah. I mean, some of these people will never let go, but they will die. <laughs> some of them are getting kind of old. So I mean, Chad Gunderson's dead, and. And uh, a lot of the, a lot of the satanic panic crowd are—they're no spring chickens, and, and hopefully nobody will really take up the uh, the idiocy that they've brought to us. Um, I hope so. Now, going back to the whole Lucy and Greaves, uh, what all what all spawned this whole conversation is now? Why? What made you choose? Lucy and Greaves and not just be yourself. How did that, what made it more enticing to well, be somebody else? Well, because um, I had always had this kind of controversy around me where people accused me of, of being, a, being a statement and I had no uh, real motivation to uh, take up that, that label and throw it back at them at the time. I was... Uh, I was simply consulting at first, and we just wanted to set up a Facebook page before the Rick Scott thing, where we could have a, uh, a presence online in that way and put up an event page for the people in Florida to see that that's what we were doing. You can't set up an event page or a, or a business page or anything like that unless you have a profile to do it with, and I didn't want to put that on my own profile. So, so Lucy and Greaves, you know, Lucy and Greaves was set up in such a way that uh, there were three of us that could use it and post things in the name of Lucy and Greaves. So none of us were Lucy and Greaves. We were all Lucy and Greaves. And it was only during the Rick Scott thing that I became Lucy and Greaves because I started fielding the media. I started really kind of taking things over at that point. And when you, I'm sorry. What, there, I, there was a, hey, Matt, there was a point where Doug called me and said, hey, Shane, would you, you think you might want to do this to play this Lucy and Greaves character? <laughs> <laughs> I gave my, I gave yep. my fee. You know, I was like, well, here's what it'll take. I wrote the number on a napkin, never heard back from them. That's, you would have been a good Lucy and Greaves. Don't get me wrong. But, Not as good as Doug. No, Doug, you said there was some controversy before that you caused before, so that's why you didn't want to take it on as your name. I, I missed what that controversy was. Oh, well, the controversy I've always had with the conspiracy theorists. I, I've always been debunking these idiotic notions of uh, ritual abuse and that type of thing, and, and there's always been this kind of response from people saying, well, you were saying this. And I would always reply and say, I'm not a Satanist, I'm an atheist. I don't have supernatural beliefs. I don't worship Satan. This has nothing to do with this. This is about critical thinking. This is about the facts. And so I would just miss those people in that way. So it didn't seem like a solid move to me to all of a sudden come out as 
now and like now that it is and there's good reason to hide from this stuff you know uh people are freaked out but it's a word that it will incite riots i mean i was when you run out of town I, i'll tell you i've never i thought it was a fucking joke because i lived in chicago so no one's paying attention to the word satan when you're getting shot at and there's you know i mean so much violence around you uh, man, move to a small town and, you know, I think I even heard Doug's voice go, Laura, when he was like, I never wanted to associate with anyone with Satanist. And, Mac, just tell your neighbors you're a Satanist. Well, you're in L.A., so they're like, really? What does that mean, a Satanist? But that's a scary word for people. It really motivates really decent, you know, I in Ely, I really liked a lot of those people. And, and um, it, was, it was hard to see them be so confused. Like, they were ignorant. They were so confused by it. They're like... Well, we like Shane and Amy. They basically make cookies. They don't do anything. They're they're nice people, but now we have to hate them because of this word Satan. Oh. Right, and, and I understood that too. I want to make it clear that I understood the danger and that doing this, and that's why I couldn't come come out and attach my name to this until we were ready to be completely clear and honest about what we're doing. Let me ask. I Doug- feel like with the voice interview that that Shane did, I, I I'm able to get my actual perspective out there. Let me ask Doug. Do you, Very clearly and concisely. Doug, how many, yes. death, uh, how many death threats have you gotten? You mean just now? Yeah. Or uh, since uh, the vice piece or whatever? Yeah, let's say just since uh, people are any kind of affiliation with the word Satan. Uh, I don't know if... I don't know if there's been death threats yet. I, I actually know a lot of the, uh, we get a lot of mail. I've always gotten a lot of mail about the, uh, um, about the conspiracy theory debunking I've gotten. So I've always gotten a lot of hate mail. Uh, I don't really look it over too, uh, too much. People send me an email. I make the effort to open it up and look at it. But if I see that somebody's ranting and raving, I, I don't put time. It's not amusing anymore. It was amusing at first, and it's not uh, anymore. So there's been some, I can tell there's been some very negative mail, but most of it's been very positive. But there has been some negative, and I, I don't know if any of it's actually degenerated into death threats. Yeah, I don't really. We used to I don't really get, fucking care, but yeah, we used to get a good handful of uh, death threats and weird shit like that. So it's, all I'm saying is, it can be scary to come out of the closet for any of your politics, for any political, you know, beliefs or, or statements. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah, that's why I don't. That's why I don't read it. You know, you can laugh at it while you're reading it, but it will stress you out eventually. So. For me, it's better just to cruise over it, see it's from an idiot, and leave it alone. Because once I read it, then I start thinking about it. Yeah, I should tell them this or whatever. And there's just no point in it. It's almost like if you got because I, I was curious. Like I was like reading those comments in the article. I was like, God damn it! I wish they would respond. Because you, pro- but then it's just like these fucking people are never going to get it. It's going to be an endless. It's like, I mean, I've, I'm sure we've all made that mistake of replying to comments, and it just it's, it becomes a fucking shit fire. Yeah, well, I, I, I really surprised people before and commented and even down in arguments, and um, yeah, sometimes sometimes you just have to pull back and forget it because. Uh, it, it will just stagnate and go nowhere. But the thing about the comments after the buy speech is I think if anybody has any sense, they'll realize that 
those comments really don't address anything I said anyway. I think some of them are actually excuses as for why what I say is true. So I don't know that I need to point that out. And plus, since uh, since this whole white piece and the pink mask, uh, my volume of emails and correspondence is really skyrocketed. So I'm not going to have the time to to address every idiot's concerns. And speaking, so, the uh, only thing the only thing in those comments that continues to follow me that bothers me that I. I have a hard time addressing because I just don't want is the might is right. Uh, you know, because I published a book called might is right. I'm a Nazi. Uh, you, you know, that, that, well, that I saw those too, but I thought those people must not have read the, they must not have read any more of the piece. Uh, what kind of selective reading of the piece would you have to do to get that from what you or I said? I get you, but I mean, it just follows, it follows where it's like, how the fuck, as, 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 as me as a publisher, how do I have, why, how, why am I having to explain myself as to why I published a book? You know, I mean, it's just, yeah. Nah. And it's a fucking book. Now it's like, it's a fucking book and I'm a publisher. You know. Yeah, it's, no. Uh, the, the, right, but also we, we explained quite clearly the history of it and why it was relevant, uh, why it was relevant to the topic and I also talked about the uh, uh, the decline in violence and uh, and rewarding altruism and compassion and the realities of today, and uh, talked about how the strict, brutal social power when it's like thinking was actually a mis misinterpretation of evolutionary theory. So it's all in there. So it's a very selective reading or or. Uh, willful misinterpretation of what's being said in the article. Yeah, if people uh, just hear something slightly that goes against what they believe, they I think they a lot of people stop thinking and and just react. I, I think they know that, that we're not saying anything of the type. I think they know that, and they're, they're just trying to search for ways in which to, to denigrate or downgrade whatever we're doing, even, even if it doesn't work. Now, I mean, I guess some of them are hoping people will skip straight to the comments without reading the piece, but I think, uh, if anything, people skip reading the comments at all. Now, the, the one thing, too, I wanted to ask about is the 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 the, process, the cop in wanted to come after you. Now that you're not Lucy and Greaves anymore, does that, how does how has that thrown them a curveball down in the at, at the cemetery town? To be perfectly honest, we've been talking very seriously and uh, talking with our lawyers about uh, going there and turning myself in. Really? Yeah, because, fuck, why not? We've got nothing to, uh, to hide. We did nothing wrong. Um, the charge doesn't fit the crime. And, and uh, frankly, we think that it's, it's bullshit and it should be cleared up. It shouldn't be hanging over my name. And if they want it, they should get it. I think it'll make fools of them. I don't know that they would be happy at all if um, if we decide that we're going over there to turn, turn me in. And... That may very well be the case. We may have a lawyer call up uh, Meridian, Mississippi, and, and tell them that I, I, I intend to do this. We're, we're still considering this right now. But I wouldn't be surprised if um, they decide to drop the case if that happens, because 
I don't think uh, I don't think they could come out looking good. But for, if they do arrest uh, you, could, you can hire the Phelps law firm to represent you in the civil suit. <laughs> yeah, that would be funny, wouldn't it? And then they won't take you as a client. You can sue them. It'd be great. This is wonderful. And, and, then, and then let everybody speculate that we're all in on this together, all, all part of the same media service. <laughs> um, yeah. So if you, go, if you go down there and turn yourself in, are you, are you going to bring cameras and all the, record all of this? Oh, yeah. Well, I haven't, well, we haven't reached out to anybody about this, but I would, I would suspect that that would be something maybe Vice would be interested in. Um, I have a feeling a lot of people would be interested in that. And maybe we could set up a press conference. I don't know. But um, but I go, I oh, have to be wearing the horns because it's for my religious attire. Um, Can you do... We'll make a... Thank you. Throw a curve, we'll make a spectacle of it. Throw a curveball, though, and wear the horns, but wear, like, one of those 80s Wham shirts, and just, just to throw in some confusion. <laughs> yeah, just because people be like, Wham was... And then, just, and then just say, like, you got into Satanism because of Wham, and just and you can start a whole new weird trend. Hey, I've well, seen... They, I've, no, seen they, they, I've seen Doug... They, they, oh. <laughs> <laughs> You know, they uh, they had a judge sign a warrant for my arrest, and I think at that time they had no thoughts or hope that, or fear that I would actually come back to Lauderdale County, and I kind of feel like they should. Yeah, I just, uh, I hope you have people ready with bail money, because I wouldn't want to spend a fucking second in one of those jails. Well, the the thing is, is we're we're going to clear up. Uh, that's why we have a lawyer looking into it. Is we want to be absolutely sure what we'd be walking into before I get there. Yeah, because I'm sure that some of them uh, folk down in that jail ain't going to be too uh, gracious <laughs> to a, a, a you know somebody they perceive as a Satanist. <laughs> right. But <laughs> especially given my uh, final comments on the second vice piece about how my very presence could cause them to degenerate into a uh, savage orgy of uncaged homosexuality. <laughs> oh God, that was such a great. Just given, just given the idea of just given the idea of my my magical powers of sexual conversion and how they just had no choice but to engage in those activities. Yeah, they might just stay far away from you too, or you might make a lot of friends real quick. <laughs> but outside of that, possibly turning yourself in, what would be what? What are do, are there any future plans for uh, more of this, or uh, are you going to move on to something else, or are you going to, or is there more for the? Yeah, well, a lot of a lot of people seem well, a lot of people seem to accept this to make uh, Westboro Baptist Church a full time job, and we're really not uh, interested in doing too much more with those fools. We'll, we'll give them problems anytime we can. But um, right now, we're incorporating, we're getting together with lawyers, and we're working out our uh, religious exemption and privileges for our membership. We're not seeking tax-exempt status, and we actually want to push for um, churches to not be tax-exempt any longer. But uh, 
for female membership. We want to them to be able to assert their religious liberty that they're not beholden uh, to invasive medical practices like transvaginal ultrasounds or any other insulting procedures that have been laid upon them due to other uh, religious zealots. And uh, when it comes to corporal punishment for kids in school, there's an alarming number of schools that still allow for that, and we want to be able to claim religious exemption there with school have to agree that due to their religion, they're, they're not touchable in such a way by a, um, by school administration because uh, um, you know, we don't allow for our kids to be beaten. And um, where there have been church-state breaches, we are going to walk in and assert the same uh, privileges that any other organization has. And to that end, we want to do with the atheist in Florida. And if there is a Ten Commandments monument outside the courthouse, we're looking to put up uh, satanic monuments. That type of thing. It's interesting that, like, no one has thought of that before. It seems so obvious, yet it's also brilliant to, to be like, it's my religious right not to have an ultra- ultrasound before an abortion. <laughs> like, it's like, you can, to, to flip that on those people is absolutely brilliant. Right, because it's always this thinking that there's just a religious agenda. Well, there's plenty of religions and there's plenty of agendas. So if you're going to let one of them in, the other can insert themselves just as easily. This is for everybody. This is for all. And that's the, the importance of uh, of non-believers being able to assert their religious rights. Uh, the privi- these privileges and exemptions shouldn't just be for the superstitious and people who adhere to supernatural beliefs. And uh, if people wanted to get involved, uh, the Satanic Temple has a website and a Facebook page and many things like that, correct? And a, uh, and a Twitter. Yes. Yeah, and uh, check out the, the webpage, thesatanictemple.com. Um, a lot of people are interested in joining, and they say it's not too clear on the site how to do that. I don't know how to make it more clear, but I'll work on the site. Uh, there is a join page. I mean, people can join for free, and they'll be on our email list. But if you do want the certificate and card, it's the $25 processing fee. Otherwise, we'd be giving out a lot of material. But um, you don't necessarily need that, and we're going to do our campaign individually, and anybody can be involved with those, whether they care to identify themselves as being part of our religion or not. They are free to... uh, agree with whatever cause we might have going on and participate in any way. And what also is, because I was looking at it the other day, the website with your writing on it, which is goes in, a lot into the uh, these conspiracy theories and the, uh, the repressed memory hokey bullshit on that. What is, that's, what is that website again? Process.org. Process.org. It's great. I was... Going through that, uh, I believe yesterday, it's pretty pretty astounding. And uh, Shane Bugby, do you got anything? Yeah, I, do, I do that page with a couple. Of, uh... Yeah, forget about Doug. Yeah, Sorry. my website. Yeah, sh- <laughs> <laughs> all right. My website, creativeclasstrumpsrulingclass.com. dot com. That's the, the or usaod dot com. You know, and those are good, those are good starts. Yeah, your and your book is amazing, by the way. And people should, which you've been on the show before, but people need to buy that goddamn book. Yeah, or just or just send a five dollar bill to PayPal. That, that's fine. That's good enough. Oh yeah, that too. That that works as well. Yeah. 
Uh, well, thank you guys again very much for joining me, and uh, I greatly enjoyed it. I hope uh, you enjoyed yourselves. Yeah, thanks, man. Thank you again, man. Always good talking to you. Thank you very much for listening to Conversations with Matt Dwyer. If you enjoyed the show, please tell your friends about it. Write a review on iTunes. You can donate money to us because we don't make a lot of money. We, Dustin and I uh, scrape by to make these shows happen. So you can go to my page there on Feral, donate some dough. If you can't afford to donate money, go through the uh, Amazon link, buy some shit, buy some DVDs, buy some Blu-rays. If you don't have a Blu-ray player, get yourself a Blu-ray player. Buy yourself a nice jacket. Autumn is right around the corner. You got a nice jacket. And, uh, yeah, listen, follow me on Twitter, Matt underscore Twitter.com. And, uh, peruse the other shows there on me. Feral Audio, Duncan Hustle is a good one. Donatini, Johnny Pepperman's got a great show. And, uh, thank you for listening.
the United States government, it is the mission of the National Security Agency to assess and flag citizens of the country who may present a threat to its security. The NSA has clearance to wiretap by any means necessary. Tapped. Incidental recordings of private conversations from the files of the NSA. Now on feralaudio.com.